0: Blog
1: Talk Radio. Ah, cats. Jump back and dust off your Cadillac. You're listening to Respect for Life with your host, Brother Leroy, on the Keys Network. Blog Talk Radio, baby. Act like you already knew.
2: Ow.
3: Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the first class citizens of the world. Welcome to BlogTalkRadio.com, the Keys 107 Network. Telephone number here when we get into the open classroom session is 213-943. 3618, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's show. The Hello? Okay, I had a little interference there, but that's the way it goes when you're dealing in the space age of internet. You can get other signals in there. Once again, this is the Communicators, the Respect for Life segment, Tuesday nights here at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Our guest this evening is a young lady who has a Ph.D., and she is a research professor in community health and preventive medicine at Morehouse School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia. She has published works that include health issues in the black community, Community Voices, Health Matters, and Social Determinants of Health Among African American Men. Her current book is Beyond Stereotypes in Black and White, How Everyday Leaders Can Build Healthier Opportunities for African American Boys and Men. We're very happy to welcome to the mics of the Keys 107, Dr. Henri. M. Henri. God, I'm chopping up names again. Give me that pronunciation.
0: It's Henri. You got it.
3: Henri. Okay, okay. Got it. Hey, great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I told you. Uh, sister Treadwell. Dr. Treadwell is with us, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, my sister, for being with us this evening, and thank you for this particular work, Beyond Stereotypes in Black and White. Now, As I was reading this book, I said, well, okay, having been a little bit in corporate America, some of the language here is that which would be directed at corporate individuals. This is me making an interpretation. And at the same time, within the same dialogue, I'm looking at directions, awareness and directions given to professionals. When I say professionals, I'm talking about blacks who have some degrees have been in Corporate America, all this and that worded that way So help me with The target The ideal target audience for Beyond stereotypes And black and white
0: The ideal target Is those who Have managed to Make it In this nation As a result of the civil Rights and other struggles
4: Mm -hmm. Many people
0: have advanced beyond their wildest dreams, but many have not.
4: Mm -hmm. And so
0: a point of the book is to say to people who are both African American or black, as well as to whites, we need to get back to helping everybody make it in this nation. And we all have stereotypes. You know, African Americans have stereotypes of other African Americans. And we need to overcome those and begin to use our positions and our clout to help everyone get to a better place in this nation. So you're absolutely right. It is targeted toward many who may be in corporate spaces and places because we aren't doing quite enough to bring people along.
3: Exactly, and <laughs> there are so many people who have been left behind. I'm saying, um, let me let me go. There are a lot of us who have gone to college. I'm talking about black folks by virtue of uh, affirmative action coming out of the civil rights movement, and I'm not talking about the stereotype. Affirmative action, which the the right. anti-blacks want to promote, that uh, those who gained by way of affirmative action were unqualified. The, the reality there is that those of us who got into those positions initially through affirmative action found out that in 90% of the times we were working with people who were less qualified than we were. So that that's the big story that has never been told. But the the um, uh, stereotypes that you you so rightfully indicate have also in, been internalized by us. because as you have these questionnaires in your book, that would force us to address our own thoughts about our own people. The question then is, uh, in terms of getting into stereotypes, define stereotypes and the earliest introduction of stereotypes that you found in the life of black people in America.
0: The stereotyping of black people in America begins very young. We all know that by the third or fourth grade, people are typically, though they won't give you the numbers, specifically planning prison beds. We all should know, if we don't, that if we are allowing our young men particularly, but increasingly young women, to get out of school because we think they're not interested or they're not this or they're not that, that that is the first step on the way to jail and prison. We can't blame that on some other race as African Americans. Now, we can say everyone is guilty. My point is I'm not trying to make anybody angry or upset. I'm trying to engage people in what I think must be a struggle that really is the civil rights struggle of our time. How Hmm. do we stop the losses that we are seeing? You know, we know that during slavery, a child had a better chance of, an African-American child had a better chance of living with their parents than they do now. Something is wrong with this picture, and we can't blame it all on some other system because we are now all a part of it. So Doctor, I, I – go ahead. I'm, You know, I get very passionate about this.
2: Well,
3: the, we, we're going to go into the journey that has led you to this work. When one reads your book, The Statistics, I think you quote Churchill as saying, uh, facts beat dreams, something like that, that the statistics that you lay out, you so carefully lay out and reference, are actually an indictment of the society in which we live if we don't buy into the fact that or the notion that they have created laws just by accident that would cause us to be incarcerated. And you just mentioned the young children, our young children, our babies. When they see our babies, they don't see, um, you know, the little chocolate doll that is going to grow up to be a a very productive individual like Grandpa was maybe. But you have on on page uh, 7, the more African-American preschool males there are in the United States the more prisons will be needed when those young children become young adults for the approximately six hundred thousand for the approximately six hundred thousand four year old black males growing up in the United States in two thousand and eight prisons are being planned to house two hundred twenty eight thousand of them. By t- 2029. That's referenced also. As you know, you use that quote. Um, when I'm reading this, I'm saying it's it's it. You can't help but be passionate in terms of saying, "Look, we got to do something by people."
0: Absolutely, and and you know it is it is no accident that these these things are happening. These are economic development plans. These are also wealth-generating plans. And if we decide that they have something to do with crime and punishment, then you really should also read the book because it lets you know that crime is down. And a lot of people that we lock up did not harm anybody. They may have had a uh marijuana or something on them and I'm not I'm not suggesting though I have some feelings about marijuana I I'm not suggesting that we don't do something to get people not to use particularly the very harmful drugs but at the same time it should not be an excuse to fill the beds and to ruin a life because you can serve your time but then you come home with that felony conviction and you can't get a place to live in public housing, and you can't get a Pell Grant to go to college. And there's nothing that says going to prison means that you are not smart. Many are extremely smart. That is why they got into trouble in the first place. They couldn't Mm -hmm. take what they were facing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the facts are in the book to let people who don't want to believe look at it. Read it. It is real.
3: <laughs> I I would uh, put your book, even though you may not have the publicity of the uh, sister Joy DeGrasse, um Post-Traumatic Slave uh, Syndrome, I would put that, those two books, and there are others, especially today, written by black women, lawyers. Um, there are a couple here in New York. Um, I'm not getting her name right away But she uh, is a professor At John Jay College She's a constitutional uh, Lawyer I, I say that because she talks a lot About the Constitution and promotes that That here you have Black women who are producing Books with a lot Of statistics, a lot of information And It's coming, I guess, on time In terms of coming from women I know men have books out, but uh, it just occurred to me how ironic it is that this particular book with all of this information in it, it is a wake-up call for a lot of us. Let's, Let's go into the point at which in your research, because you've written before, that you put together this particular book and zeroed in on the stereotype aspect of our existence here in America.
0: You know, um, I was working to basically in the area of health to try to get health care services to people who didn't have them and as I began working across the country, I noticed that the men were not there. Then I tried to find the men, and I'm a mother I'm a mother of sons and You know, you begin to say there, but for the grace of God may go my son. Where are these men? Follow Mm -hmm. them all the way, ultimately most of them to jail and prison. And I'm not trying to stereotype all black men by this, but that's something black men need to talk about because they kind of don't want to have the conversation because they think I'm talking about them. I'm talking about everyone who is in trouble and them becomes me. But then mm-hmm. I go ahead and say, well, what am I seeing on television? I'm not seeing positive images for the most part of that African-American man who happens to be poor, happens to be struggling, may have even been in jail or prison, but is trying to do the right thing and can't get a leg up in the system. And nobody is talking about that collateral damage of you can't get a job with that felony-related drug conviction. You can't get into public housing in many communities. Some are okay. Others are not. You can't get back together with your children. We become deadbeat dads, but you've been in prison, and by the time you come home, you may have $45,000 in child support due.
4: Uh You can't get a job.
0: And then you will get locked up again for not paying it. Mm
4: -hmm. What
0: is going on here? So the stereotypes are things that we have left over in our minds, and what our radio and our television and our newspapers do not do sufficiently is to say we've we we have generated this problem ourselves. It's not the people. In general, it really is those in power. They're just not interested. But we need to get interested because 43% of African-American women will never marry. And that's because the men are somewhere else locked up, and when they come home, they don't have jobs, they don't have capacities to really form strong families. I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying what's going on out here.
3: Now, Dr. Treadwell, as you lay out in your book, you, you talk about Georgia having um, uh, It was a study done in Georgia. I think Mercer Law Association, I don't have it in front of me, a page in front of me, but they, they came up with an assessment that Georgia has one of the most impossible uh, set of barriers to a formerly incarcerated man getting back on his feet, period. Uh,
4: That is absolutely
3: true. It is absolutely true. They said impossible. You know, so go into that piece because you're in Atlanta. You're in Atlanta. Just flesh that one out for us. Make Make it as live as you can.
0: When a person is finally released, and we have one of the highest incarceration rates in the nation, and even if we begin, as we're trying to do, release more people here, you still have more people on probation and parole, so they're not yet free. Um, You get out of prison with a bus ticket and $25, and you are sent back to used to be where you were from, now it may be from wherever the crime was committed, so-called, whatever the crime was, you don't have a guarantee of housing. Now, everyone's supposed to get out with an address. Well, we know sometimes that's very temporary. So you don't have guaranteed housing. You don't have guaranteed health care. And we also know that many people who are incarcerated have a substance abuse issue may have a mental health issue, may have diabetes, may have other illnesses that need care. They come home without any guarantee of access to health care unless they have something that has been diagnosed so that they can get social supplemental Social Security income. Most come home with nothing. And sure. so they have very few places to go. In Atlanta, we'll get 1,700 to two thousand people a month coming home. But really and truly nowhere to go. Now I don't I think that what we have to look at is the legislatures as well as the policymakers who do not remove the barriers. You can't get a food stamps or what they call SNAP supplemental nutrition assistance program if you have a felony related drug conviction. Now, we know you may have a substance abuse habit because people do substances for lots of reasons, sometimes just get rid of the pain of an everyday nothingness and loss of hope. You can't get food stamps here. Now, then someone will say, go in a substance abuse treatment program. you got to have food to help you get off the drugs, but you can't get them. You may come home with diabetes. You can't get food. So how do you manage your diabetes even if you are able to get your insulin, which you are not often able to get. We know that the highest amputation rates are among African-American men. Okay. Yep. So it's really a a horrible set of circumstances. And then don't be a father, as I mentioned before. And it's not that we don't love and don't spend time with our children. And most of these men were working before they went in in some kind of part-time job or full-time job. But, again, if you don't pay the child support, you cannot get a driver's license. Now, some will say to you, and this is true, that if you get a counselor or someone who will work with you, they can work you through these. Those 2,000 people don't Mm. have a counselor. Wow. It may be... A couple of them, we've done a program where we've tried to reunite men with their children, particularly their sons, because these children are headed to prison. Sure. I'm not saying they're bad children. Nope. I am saying these children live with depression. They live with being bullied. They are No one is really paying attention, so they kind of slide out of school and eventually they're on that same pathway.
4: And all you have
0: to do to prove it to yourself is go to prison, and you'll hear men talk about my daddy was in prison when I was born and my son was in prison when I, you know, my son was born when I'm in prison. Generational.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, our guest is Dr. Henri Treadwell. She is the author of the book Beyond Stereotypes in Black and White, the subhead how everyday leaders can build healthier opportunities for African-American boys and men. When you just mentioned that we have created uh, an effort or program to reunite formerly incarcerated men with their families, that we is reflective of the grassroots leaderships that you're pointing to in this book,
0: That is reflective of some work that we have done at the Morehouse School of Medicine with some funding by the Kellogg Foundation and working with some grassroots community groups here in Atlanta. It is not a systems program. It needs to be. You know, I look at, in Georgia, I don't know what happens in every state. In Georgia, we do have child care visiting centers in the women's prisons, the three of them. In the men's prisons, we don't have child care visiting centers. So if Uh a child gets there, they sit with the general population and visit their fathers. Why is it that Uh, we don't have the same emphasis on a father parenting his child that we uh would give to a mother? Particularly, we know it's that father's influence that is extremely important.
3: I'm looking, uh, once again, at the contents of your book and the thrust of, of the information that you have. The It breaks down, in my mind, to two tasks. One, of petitioning the system, the politicians in the other agencies, et cetera, the political uh, arena, petitioning them and lobbying them for changes in the various laws and regulations that impede the rehabilitation of these formerly incarcerated men. At the same time, there is a call to action on the part of the community, black folks, black men and women, as you indicate, everyday leaders, to begin to take apart a portion of the problem or the challenges that exist. Uh, have I assessed that properly?
0: You have absolutely assessed that properly. And I think if we relate it to the struggles in the past, uh, the gaining of the civil rights that now exist, it was not someone else who did that. It was the black community itself. Mm-hmm. There were others who joined in, but the black community itself said no more, enough. And my, my hope is that everyone will reach out a hand to someone who they may not know, may not feel comfortable with. I don't know how they'll feel, but just get over that and decide that we have to help each other.
4: Mm-hmm. There is
0: no one out there for us but us, and we must do that. We must get ourselves um, in a frame of mind that says these are not bad children; these are children looking for hope,
5: mm-hmm. and
0: I can be the hope.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Where where have you found a receptive ear leading to action uh, with? the ideas that you have in your book, and I'm specifically talking about that second group that must pull uh, ahead in terms of the the community folks. Where where have the receptive ears occurred?
0: There are not enough, but from 10 years ago when I really began working intensely on this, we might have had four or five people Hmm. who you could call together to have a conversation. Now there are many more community groups that are focusing on trying to assist those coming home from incarceration and getting them into health care and into jobs and into housing. Not enough. I would also say that I think there are some opportunities among legislators In many states, including Georgia, but we've got to ask. We've got to get engaged and say, this is what we need. I don't find people who tell me no. I find people who don't know what the problems are. And once they learn, they're willing to help. Okay.
3: Okay, very good. I want you to say that over again that just caught up with me. Go ahead.
0: I find people who don't know what the problem is. And so the easiest job we have is to begin to educate. And one of the reasons I spent so much time putting short bits of data in this book and even stories about people is so that you can get the data to say, Did you know? And generally, mm. they don't know. Mm. And once they know, many will act.
3: What kind of um, involvement have you found with churches or other religious groups, if at all, to what you're bringing attention to us as the dire uh, situation the the incarceration of black men, the collateral effect on their families, what has been the reaction from the religious sector in our community?
0: Some churches have given their buses, the use of their buses, to take children to visit their parents who are incarcerated. A lot of them? No. It's so easy to do. Many more could do this. We ought to have buses going every weekend to prisons all over every state. Mm -hmm. Some go in, and I do believe this is very important, to help those who are incarcerated really get in touch with that spiritual part of themselves. Because many do believe that the spiritual awakening and the spiritual commitment is very important to getting back on their feet. The larger churches will have prison ministries, but what I wish they would do instead of just going to the prisons for the most part is to find a job for folks, even if it's sweeping your church. Find Mm. some housing. Mm. Maybe you can put somebody in a bed somewhere. We Mm. could do so much more. And I was just in a meeting actually hosted by the federal government in which people talked about how can we get the churches to not only be more engaged, but to lead some Mm. of
4: Mm. it. We've
0: kind of gotten ashamed. People have made us ashamed of what is going on in this nation and what we fail to understand is this is an industry. It's a business. Prisons are a business, and it is not that people are so much uh, misbehaving so much more. But if you build it, you will fill it. And that is the way things have been going in this nation. And so we churches and pastors, it would be nice to see. And I would call on them to make this a part of their conferences. Everybody in that Mm -hmm. church knows somebody who is in prison and probably (laughs) has somebody in their family. Yes. You know, it's not that it's happening to a stranger anymore. And the other thing is that many of us, so many of us, are now working in the prison industry. I'm not trying to put people out of a job, but I think sure. there are better jobs that we can create if we work uh, on
3: it. Dr. Treadwell, the the uh, stereotype aspect of the title in your book, how how much would you say the stereotypes that we have of ourselves that we've internalized of ourselves is preventing more churches to be involved on that one-on-one basis that you laid out?
0: I think it is probably 95-plus percentage of stereotypes that we have internalized about who those people are. And so we don't reach over and reach out to help. We are the ones who have internalized the things that we have seen on television, that we have heard about on the radio, and maybe even seen some about in newspapers, and we have not kind of peeled back the layers and said, you know, these young men and women are the same young men and women who used to grow up and be our preachers. and our teachers, and our doctors, and they married my daughter, (laughs) you know. We're doing it to ourselves, and when you look around and say, oh, there are no men out here, well, that was somebody else's plan. Now are we going to let that continue? Man.
3: Whoa. Ladies and gentlemen, our (laughs) guest is Dr. Treadwell. Her book is Beyond Stereotypes in Black and White, the subtitle, how everyday leaders can build healthier opportunities for African American boys and men. The spelling of her name, her last name is T R that's T as in Tom. R E A D W E L L. Treadwell. And the publisher is um Prager. Prager Prager Press publishes. P R A E G-E-R, and, of course, you can always go to Amazon and get this book, and we'll find out uh, websites, etc. in addition to that. We have some announcements on the Keys 107. This is how we keep the Keys 107 going. I'd like for you to pay very close attention to the announcements and where you can support a black business. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with your calls in to Dr. Treadwell.
1: Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon one oh seven is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop That's for sure.
6: out the
3: best in you. Don't forget to visit MOON107.com And we're back ladies and gentlemen the telephone number 213 943-3618 213 943-3618 hit 1 on your telephone keypad that lets our engineer know that you have a question for Dr. Treadwell. We're speaking of the crisis in the black community nationwide, and the title of her book is Beyond Stereotypes in Black and White, How Everyday Leaders Can Build Healthier Opportunities for African-American Boys and Men. In the concluding chapter of your book, you... You point out that everyday leaders uh, or you infer that everyday leaders are the individuals who read this book and asking them to find leadership in them, their own individual selves. So tell us how, how easy the individual can flow into this doing something versus what they have not been doing at all up until this point of reading or hearing about your book.
0: I'm so glad you asked. I would start with teachers, those who are in the classrooms who have, we know, challenging jobs. Instead of allowing that child to slip away, who may be causing a little problem, really acting out, wanting some attention and some hope, let's not let them have their way and walk out of our classrooms anymore because when they do, they're walking in the prison. Mm -hmm. When you are a black prosecutor and you have these young people before you, Mm -hmm. the easy way out is to give them as many years as you can and say, well, they're gone. Mm
4: -hmm. Uh,
0: And we don't think about and design what is the alternate plan for this young person so that we don't ruin their lives forever and mm-hmm. even harm their families because the families end up having to pay all kinds of fees. Yes. I think yeah. prosecutors should be should be required to draw up a collateral damage plan that minimizes the collateral damage, mm-hmm. but right now you just send them off. Mm-hmm. We have to change that. Whatever we are doing in our day, Wherever we are, if you're walking down the street and see young men, young women in trouble, don't look away. Try to make eye contact, to say something, to let individuals know that I see you, you are a part of me, I'm a part of you. It really isn't difficult. People are doing things such as you are doing, talking about this, on the using the media to educate, to let people know what really is happening. You know, mm. people used to always say it's a race thing. Well, you know, the sheriff is white. Sheriff not white anymore.
4: Right. So
0: what's different about mm. it now that we have people who look like most of the people who are being locked up? Is it fear that keeps them from behaving differently or is it that they just don't know that they would find support in community if they ask for it so it really is not a big thing you have a business hire someone make it intentional to hire someone who is coming home from prison you know a lot of people say well they won't work out they won't work they won't this well if you've never had a chance to do things may not work so We try again. It's like a child in my house. If my child doesn't get it right the first time, we're going to try this again.
3: But we are a little
0: too difficult.
3: I'm sorry. In your research, you've come up with leadership models that work. Share some of those with us.
0: There are um, in the... Book you will find at the end, the Men's Health Network. You will find programs that, in fact, bring people home, give them job training, help them find jobs. We have to really embrace people, give them legal assistance that they need. Yes. You know, and that's a big one. That is really a huge one because lots of individuals just need some help straightening out things that didn't get done properly. Yes. I would say the big one is also mentoring, going to shelters, going to places where people are, and Mm. just talking, Mm.
4: helping.
0: This is what a number of the leadership models are. They're putting people together with folks who need to hear. Mm. Other leadership models are, again, being a part of taking children to visit their parents in prison. Mm. And the other part is when people come home and if they can get back together with their families, there are programs such as the one that we've operated that really tries to help Bridge that communication gap You can't be gone 10 or 15 years And come back in And try to pick up where you left off Because by then The children are a little bit upset with you They love you still But they're a little upset And so we need to really figure out How do we bring people Back together (laughs) One of the uh, Young men I talked to Who said uh, You know when people go to prison, they get in trouble. All they really want is a better life, and they just don't get there because they make some bad choices. And so we just have to stop holding bad choices against people. As one man said to me recently, when I visited a prison, he said, "I wish that I had just stopped to think." That's all it takes.
3: You know that. You know there are a lot of factors. Conditioning the attitude of our people From the young to the old From the mature to the immature The messages that are coming through the videos The messages that are coming through Some of these magazines out here That glorify the criminal minded The messages that are coming through On the the hip hop The hip hop records that have a beat, but poison lyrics. Yeah. And and the weed, the weed that's being distributed now in the black community, it's chemicalized, and then you have the combination of that with malt liquor, and then you have the movie. I mean, it's just we we are as your book lays out. I mean, as I go through the book, there are many areas I'm familiar with but you do a comprehensive job in your book of laying out the facts and the various aspects of our problem, or the, uh, my wording, the attack on the black community.
0: Yes. There is absolutely an attack, and the attack is based, is for several reasons. It's easy pickings to put people... In institutions that generate income for others. And it really doesn't do anything but ensure a revolving door. Mm-hmm. You know, I began to think of this problem a long time ago as a, a failure of power. And I do still think it's a power failure on the part of many of us who are in positions to act, many mm-hmm. of us who are in positions to say, is there another way of addressing these issues including the cultural things that we pour out into our young children's minds and ears and we don't say enough about is there another way mhm and then we pretend to be surprised about the outcome mm. and we can't be we cannot the fa- be. the failure
3: of power You have a note inside, uh, well, not a note, but you point out in one part of your book how we have this, um, I call it the self-policing, where we're in position to do something, but we don't make a move to do something to help our people because then the people who hired us or selected us, us is not being a team player for them. Uh, as being favoring our group over being objective. Comment on that of yours.
0: I I absolutely believe that a major part of our problem is that we are afraid of what others may think if we adopt a different position around what is going on with the status of the African-American boy, man, and community we need to get over that fear because i think we would find that many people are willing to stand with us and i will tell you what i think is a sad fact when i go to many meetings where people are advocating to change the things that are really destroying the fabric of the african-american community many of those people happen to be white we need to change that picture. Uh-huh. Not because we don't want them, but you know. Well, you
3: know the true. first the first person to that I read who was writing specifically in terms of those misdemeanors turned into felonies is um his name escapes me, but the book is Search and Destroy. Uh this man is out of Washington D.C. And he wasn't a bleeding heart liberal. I interviewed him a couple of times some years ago, and uh, he had just taken the notice that there were these misdemeanors that were being moved into the felony category around the country. And uh, the title of his book is "Search and Destroy." He used that title from the from the Vietnam War era. Um, but he's out of Washington. He's Caucasian individual. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, the the ones who are standing up uh, tend to be non-blacks. Share with us, and and this is personal, how supposing you were working uh, not at Morehouse, but at Georgia, let's say, uh, Georgia Tech or Georgia University, you know, schools down there. I'm talking about a Caucasian institution. Mm -hmm. How easy would it be? for you to have taken the positions that you have taken, which is not radical, but one of sounding the alarm, how easy or difficult would it have been if you were at a major white institution as opposed to Morehouse?
0: You know, it is remarkably easy if you have your facts. You cannot speak from emotion. And and a part of what I tried to put in this book is, If you speak out for it, you can say it's this, this percent of this, and that, that percent of that, and I'm speaking about facts, and I'm speaking about taxpayer dollars. And this is the way that I have always worked. It is not hard when you have your facts. I just finished a term on the Georgia Board of Corrections, which one might think that's a hard place to speak up for things that you want to change. But mm-hmm. I was able to get a couple of child care centers in men's prisons
4: because mm.
0: I use facts. Mm. I don't use emotion Beautiful. because that's useless. It's useless well, that, to me. That
3: That is used against you.
0: That's exactly. what you're telling me. You'll be exactly. right.
3: You'll be right. You'll be right, and they know you're right. Uh-huh. If, you know, your, your armor are the statistics, especially when they come from them.
0: Exactly, exactly. So if you use the data, you are safe. I began working uh, before I was at Morehouse at the Kellogg Foundation, which I think is a wonderful organization. But also there's been a many-year process of education to get that board of trustees to a point of saying, you know, prisons really are the problem. Now, are they ready to fund it yet? I don't know. But it's been an educational process. And mm-hmm. so we have to educate,
4: mm-hmm. and
0: we have to just keep at it. And it is not dangerous if you have your facts and your your conviction to
3: there's do another, something. There's a part of that conviction piece, um, mm-hmm. I would say when you drop the kind of statistics and facts on people, black folks, who have not been aware, I say they haven't been aware, it is one that would bring up some element of commitment. Well I, I'll do something. Now the other yeah. part of that as it relates to your your being a research professor is that here you have been trained in an area to use statistics. I'm not dealing with you, I'm dealing with your your fellow Uh, Your counterparts in other institutions Who are black, male or female Here you have been well trained In the use and the analysis Of statistics, so use it Use it for the benefit of your people
0: Exactly
3: Just put that piece in there
0: It it is exactly What we have to do And I would say that you can Use that same uh, Sort of position If you are Uh, I'll I'll go back to prosecutors They're some of my favorite people Because in most cases Prosecutors just want to win cases I'm Mm. saying prosecutors could have As much difference If they use data that shows If you do this kind of deterrence You can still have The benefit to the community That we seek Mm. So you, you must We must use the tools we have You really don't have to do anything different you just have to use the tools that you have and vision a different outcome. Mm-hmm. If we just look at the facts and don't envision mm-hmm. something new, Got then it. we're not even going to stay where we are. We will continue to slide back. Ladies, These young ladies, men, they come home and they don't come back.
3: Yeah. the the uh, mm-hmm. We're in a very... <laughs> Look, we're in a serious situation with the ones who are incarcerated, and then when we walk the streets of New York, we see that we're in trouble with the ones who ain't incarcerated. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, telephone number 213-943-3618. We only have a few more minutes with Dr. Henri Treadwell, T-R-E-A-D-W-E-L-L. Her book is... Beyond stereotypes in black and white, how everyday leaders can build healthier opportunities for African American boys and men. Now, one of the uh, points you make in your your book, uh, in the uh, in the uh, summary section of of your book, you advocate the the uh, training of black men for mental for the mental health field. What What led you to
0: that? There are so many stresses, I think, that um, I don't think I know, that African-American men go through that they need someone to talk to who has experienced some of these things themselves. You can't just say, oh, that didn't happen, get over it. You really have to say, I understand how you are feeling, and we need to work on it. I was um, speaking to a group the other day, and a man um, called in and he said, um, you know, I've got three or four friends, and between the four of us, we've served over 100 years in prison. Now, you know, you see, it takes somebody who's been there with you
4: Uh
0: or who at least has a Uh part of that experience to be able to help you get over that a hundred years between four men what in the world are we doing and it's a taxpayer issue too and you know if you can't think of anything else think of the fact that we're spending so much money incarcerating people if we just gave them that money they would be able to pay rent and you know have family care et cetera. but it it isn't happening and I don't I don't know. It's it's puzzling.
3: Well, well, you your spirit is told you, you got to do something, so you put out a book. Beyond that, you began to involve the uh, Kellogg Foundation in a in a project that they have funded, and there are probably others that you uh, could tell us about. But you are not only collecting the data. But you are attempting to do something, and it is a situation of all hands on deck. The, um, the, 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 are you aware that two uh, United States senators are backing a bill in the Senate um, to take away food stamp um, food stamp opportunities for anybody for anybody who's been a
0: felon? Past yes, uh, and present? The, the Vitter <laughs> amendment is coming up. From the gentleman from New Orleans, right. from Louisiana, and there are other things that are on the table. And I just wonder where they think this will go when people can't eat. They have to eat to live. You have to eat to take care of illnesses. And if you don't have money, what will happen? We are. You know, we need to go back to the churches here. It's a wonderful opportunity for churches to get involved and say people have to eat to nourish the body and the soul. Um, I would love to see that happen. Um, My hope is that people will stand one by one and begin to help.
3: Standing one by one means right where you are, don't worry about linking up with anyone right now. Uh, You can do that, but right in your own family, you can begin to do something.
0: Exactly. You know, leadership can take you to a lonely place sometimes, but that's all right. You just focus. Uh, Lay
3: lay that one out, because those of us who've been involved in uh, leadership positions, Are familiar with that But lay that out for the the novice So that they don't become disheartened When they run into some things
0: Right You may uh, study all your facts and figures And then you're in a meeting And you say Well you know I think a new way of handling this Might be thus and so And you might have the deafening silence Mm
4: -hmm. But you don't
0: let it hurt you You don't let it stop you you know when to be quiet and listen, and sometimes then you figure out, now, could I say that a little differently next time? Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And, but don't give it up if you have your facts. Don't give it up. But you okay. may feel a little lonely, a little chilly, but it's okay. Now, one that of the means things, you did
3: something. <laughs> yeah, When you get that silence, it does mean you're on point you have you have hit a pressure point exactly. and and don't take it personal don't be embarrassed cuz that's the initial thing if they if they said something one way or another it would affirm what you have dropped on the table and you won't find too many affirming and confirming things coming from certain sectors the the um other point before we conclude a very critical one, is how do people get your book and you know, are there any websites that they can go to or that you would recommend in terms of the thrust of black, uh, beyond stereotypes in black and white?
0: The book is available on Amazon.com um, and it's also available on abc com. We have a website, Mm -hmm. communityvoices.org, where you can uh, see a number of the articles that we have written throughout the years on this issue of the plight of the African-American man. Um, Either of those will give you information. This is a journey that will take some time. But um, we must begin it now.
3: Uh, I think we risk
0: our futures.
3: Would you, uh, that last point. We risk
0: having a future.
3: In other words. That is healthy. We have everything to lose by not acting now.
0: Absolutely. And everyone can act. This is not a game for somebody else or for the other people. This is something for all of us. I believe it. I know it. It can happen.
3: Well, you, you, you're like the, uh, the, the, the mate, the housewife, and the family. They look. I looked at the checking account. I looked at this. I looked at that, honey. You have got to get two jobs. I'm going to get me one or two of myself. Otherwise, we can't make it.
0: That's it.
3: It's that kind that of
0: dire situation. That's exactly where we are this book exactly. is very
3: this book is very important i'm addressing the audience. This book is very important. It is for some an introduction to facts and figures that will startle you, and at the same time, there's a therefore the therefore is her notion of solutions that we can begin to explore. And each chapter is, uh, for me, a self-contained unit. You can read those, especially the media one, uh, as it relates to that part of the mix that promotes the stereotypes out to everyone. We buy into a lot of stuff, and um, I'm always telling uh, folks, Dr. Treadwell, that Murray uh, okay. Povich, Murray Povich is uh, is one of the programs that feeds a lot of poison into the minds of black people in terms of what uh, relationships are about, et cetera. Um, Do we have a caller on the line? Hello? Uh, Do we have a caller on the line for Dr. Treadwell before we leave? Yes. Okay. uh, Caller, go ahead. Dr. Treadwell is on the line with you.
7: Hi, Dr. Treadwell. Um, My name is Barbara Grant, and um, I'm just truly... Um, inspired by your words, um, encouraged to keep going with with, um, making a difference and being that sort of lone voice of change for our people. Um, My partner and I work with solar energy and really are stepping out to make a difference to create trained individuals, particularly in our community, to become um, providers of energy. Um, With this technology And and it's been a struggle But um, your words today have really touched me To to see the possibility And just to keep going And and, uh, even Mm. when you feel like You're the only one out there (laughs) Mm.
0: um, Not to give up Um, Do not give up Because there are people out here And that's the isolation of being In a leadership position Sometimes you don't think there's someone there But we're Mm. out here so just keep working. We're joining hands right now. Excellent. And I thank Brother Leroy as always.
7: He's he's always giving that space for us to 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 uh, to to find other. if not in the same path, but on the same, going in the same direction. Yeah. And I appreciate you, Brother Leroy. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Sister. Do we have another call for Doctor Treadwell? We have another guest coming up right after you. Do we have another? Um, asking the engineer. Do we have another caller for Doctor Treadwell? Yes, there's another caller on the line.
2: Okay, please go ahead. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam, young man. Yes, sir, brother. I appreciate you as well. I, you know, I was fighting this this question to the sister for like about maybe 45 minutes. Are you <laughs> The prison industrial system, all the things you're going through. We can't get a job. Can't pay your so child's back. I was, back again. I was aw- but, 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 but I was fighting not to call in, but I had to call because I wanted to ask the sister, Doctor Treadwell, one question. Why are we still in America? What happened to Marcus Garvey? Why happened to getting up out of here? Why are we standing in a burning house? How can all these intellectual people don't even mention Marcus Garvey's name? And this man gave his life get us up out of here. Now we want to whine and complain later on why things they going right. Whatever the Marcus Garvey. Why do we just swim ones under the world like he don't count? And the man I, I, takes his life for us as black people, Africans in America. But we want to stay here and whine and complain why they're mistreating us. And nobody's saying, you know, we need to separate from these people. We need to separate from the system. Why do you please that from me. Wait a minute.
3: Well, you know, my brother yeah. slow down Let slow me... down slow down a bit. So what, in going through the book before Dr. Treadwell responds, um her book very interestingly does not mention the major names that you would come up with and that does not negate what she has in a book. And and I know there's there's uh, her focus is on everyday leaders. So, Dr. Treadwell, please respond to our brother. Hold up
2: for the black. Hold up for the black. I'm not trying oh, I'm to get anything Sister said. I'm not trying I'm to get sorry. nothing. Well, what's okay. wrong with us
0: trying to get up out of here? Well, let me let me answer in my way. Let me yeah, answer in my way. I had lots of people who came over here and have built this nation, and I am the kind of person who's not going to away, walk away from the blood that's been shed to build this nation. I believe it's just as much mine as it is anyone else's, and so that is my stake. People can have a different perspective, but my stake is people came here, they built it, they were my people, and I am not walking away from it because it is mine too. And I guess Uh I'll end it there because we'll see a difference.
2: We stay here (laughs) and suffer that. That's (laughs) what I'm trying to say. My brother. is Black.
3: No. See, that's her response because we're in a classroom. We're in a classroom. You asked an appropriate question. She gave you an answer that was not contained within the dialogue that she and I had up to the time when you called. So I was on the show.
2: No, I heard nothing about getting away from a separate from these people, building our own. The honorable, he the to Mohammed. My brother. Muhammad, my brother. Behalf, said brother. we need to separate from America. Well, listen. Well, listen. This ain't for the sister. This brother is an audience. We need to get us out of here. We need to find another way out. This ain't for her. She can just... Well,
3: listen. Here's the thing. Uh, just in terms of what our sister said, someone else that you might respect, Um, Not that you don't respect her But I'll share this with you In the recent presentations Of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan He has said for us The same thing There is separation And also the fact that We have built this country Now he says it better than I have said it And it's uh, my advice For the folks in the listening audience To go into the The Uh, Savior's Day address Of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan The one that he just did In February Listen to that And see his position And how it matches up With uh, Dr. Treadwell And we all have Our own positions And and, uh, some of us Are going to have to go out In order to make a way For some of us Who want to go out also But at the same time There are those of us who say, hey, I built this my In fact, when we look at it, black people did build America, not Wall Street. Wall Street wouldn't have had any money if it wasn't for the slave trade. And that's another story. We're going to get somebody else on to talk about the economics of the enslavement period and how it built America. And that's one of the stereotypes that we have been fed that we were just along for the caboose when we were the driving engine of America's wealth. So, uh, Dr. Treadwell, conversations on top of conversations. At the same time, we advise folks to get the book, Beyond Stereotypes in Black and White, How Everyday Leaders Can Build Healthier Opportunities for African-American Boys and Men. Her name is Dr. Henri, H-E-N-R-I-E, middle name or initial M, Treadwell, T-R-E-A-D-W-E-L-L Amazon has the book And she also mentioned the website Which is communityvoices.org My sister, thank you very much for your patience And may God, for your patience and work And may God continue to bless you and your family
0: Thank you so very much And may God bless you too and your family It's been wonderful talking with you
3: Thank you, ma'am. And I will be contacting you for another appearance on the other shows that we do. Fabulous. Thank All right.
0: you. Have a you. good evening. Ladies Bye-bye.
3: and gentlemen, we have another guest coming up. We're going to be talking about health. It's interesting that Dr. Treadwell, uh, a, a portion of a book, deals with the health opportunities of black men and women, uh, black men and young boys. Well, we're going to be dealing with health in just – about two minutes when we come back with our next guest from California. So we're going from Georgia to California for our next guest. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: The Keys, Unlocking the Unlocking Doors the to door. Unlimited Possibilities. 631-399-0149. That's 631 149 The Fluffs present the alphabet, now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Best, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop the woman's shop features stylish tunics tools and accessories and offers the well dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else the men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well dressed man the gift shop offers organic. Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit Moon107.com. 0 maun one
3: This is the Keys 107. The program is the Communicators' Respectful Life segment here on Tuesday night's here on the Keys 107 Network by way of blogtalkradio.com. On Saturday night, we're going to be black with you at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's going to be a very informative show. We're doing a series called Gifted and Talented for All, which speaks to the fact that the majority of black youth, male and female, who are left behind and pushed out of school and promoted uh, social promotions, etc., that these are the geniuses hidden within our community. And if the right environment is constructed for them with the proper intent of teachers and administrators, the genius will come out of them, and we're going to have an exciting story to share with you this coming Saturday evening. So parents, teachers, and young brothers and sisters who've been pushed out of school, the story you're going to hear this coming Saturday will let you know that you have a genius in you It needs to be corralled and tapped, and it's up to you when you hear this program. Tonight, as we go into the second segment of our show here on the Keys 107, we're very happy to have with us a young man who has been involved in teaching young brothers and sisters and others on the West Coast uh, anatomy, physiology, pharmacology as a preparation for their taking a certification test to be medical assistance And the health field, as big as it is, there are a lot of jobs there. And if you go into these positions with a good understanding of your body, anatomy, physiology, and pharmacology, then you stand to be in a position where you can move around and uh, have your pick of jobs and also enable you to go abroad with that particular background of certification and experience. Our guest online is Brother Raimundo Noor. Thank you for blessing us with your presence, my dear brother. God bless you and your family.
8: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
3: Brother Noor, let's get into the work that you are currently doing, and that is uh, preparing young people for young people and mature people for the medical assistance field. Uh, Share with us the the components of what you share and teach in class and how long you've been doing it and and some of those victories some of those successes that you can point to as coming as a result of your training
8: yeah, i you know Leroy, i have been doing this for uh well over 18 years uh here on the west coast in california uh and that is after uh spending 10 years of uh naval service Uh, In the healthcare field, Um, we teach uh, young people, you know, preparing for the medical field, anatomy, physiology, and as you said before, pharmacology as it relates to uh, learning their trade. Uh, These things are extremely important simply because, uh, you know, in order to treat the body, you must know the body.
4: Uh, And
8: while we're not preparing them to be uh, doctors, you know, they still have to have a Very good understanding of uh, Where the body parts are What they do What affects them So on and so forth Uh, And this is what we uh, We concentrate on
3: I'm, I'm Thinking Based on the little That I know of your background And we've spoken A couple of times very briefly I am thinking That compared to other instructors and possibly the ones you had coming up to the point where you're able to teach this, that you have found interesting and very effective ways of teaching anatomy, physiology, and pharmacology and the combination of the three and how they work for uh, the individual to make a correct assessment of a patient. And my point is that you have found an easier, clearer, more effective way of teaching this knowledge more quickly to the individuals and meaning they gain an understanding more quickly than uh other instructors may have um not had that kind of success. I'm throwing it out. That's my feeling.
8: You know th- that is that is correct. You know when you know in teaching adults, as you know th- these are the uh, the individuals that I teach. Uh, in teaching adults, it's quite different from uh, teaching young children. Uh, young children, their minds are still, uh, and for lack of better terms, empty. It's
3: still pure,
8: uh, and you know you can tell them that this is that way, and uh, and they'll accept it as such and learn it as such. Adults, on the other hand, we have had usually had a lifetime of information going into our brains, uh, and sometimes that is good information, and sometimes it, it is not. And I'll and I'll give you a couple of examples later on. But um, I use a method uh, that I like to call relationship learning, and and what I do is, you know, learning about the human body. Um, you know, it's extremely complex. Let's make no mistake about that. You know, the, the, the human body is complex, so therefore learning about it is, is equally so. And it's, it's almost like learning a whole new world of information. Even medical terminology is almost a different language, so to speak. And so what I like to do is, in relationship learning, I like to link the new information with old information that they may already have in their brains. You see, and and in so doing, the the new information has a little bit better chance of sticking because they can relate it to something that they already know. You see, Mm -hmm. whereas if 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 you try to tell them, well, for example, when we're teaching blood drawing, and um, you know, there is a certain order of draw that you must. Put the blood tubes in You can't just mix them up Or draw, draw them in, in any order uh, And so in order for them To try to learn The the steps Or the the, the order of the, the tube drawing I, I use a term uh, Called really bad girls Often leave guys standing Right Now it's an adult phrase and, and it may or may not apply to them But it's certainly something That they can relate to Right And not stereotype you know women or, or, or girls for that matter but it's something that they can relate to and the first letter of each word relates to a color top tube you see red blue green other lavender gray and the serum separator so you know when they but, but when they remember it in order to remember they just remember that phrase and then they're able to remember the order you Beautiful. see and, and this is, I, I use what I call uh, relationship learning. Just try to get them to link the new information with something they already know. When teaching pharmacology, for example, and, um, you know, how to convert milligrams to grams and deciliters, the, you know, these things are all foreign to them. I, I switch back to the, ALO, the age-old uh, uh, thing that we all love so much, which is money. You know, and we all know how to count the money, I, I presume. And so, you know, when you when you put it in terms of money, everyone gets it. They say, "Oh no, I get it." You know, four quarts make a gallon. We say, "You say four quarters make a dollar." Then they get it.
4: You see. Mm-hmm. But, but mm-hmm. prior
8: to that, it it seems foreign to them.
3: Excellent. See. And and let's deal with um, something. Just came to mind when you talk about drawing blood. A, an examination when uh people are having a physical they're asked to uh males the males are asked to pass urine in a in a um in a receptacle and then this is uh to be analyzed and right. determined okay so in a personal uh situation, I did that and they came back with. Well, this is showing up. This is showing up. This is showing up in it. So, uh-huh. I shared that information with um, a doctor, you know, an associate of mine. He said, "Well, let me let me let me go back over this." He said, "When they gave you the receptacle to pass urine in, did they did they? Uh, in other words, he said it's not the first, that you analyze is the second that you analyze. Uh-huh. So the first is going to show up with all kinds of stuff, and it's the second pass around that um, is going to be the one that needs to be studied. What, if anything, do you know about that?
8: I, you know, if, if, if I if I may, I, I believe what they're referring to is a clean catch urine, or, or is that the term that he used, or? I, I...
3: It's been some time, so I can't remember, but he, he said the first the first one is not the one to be studied. You know, I said, oh, wow, you know. Uh-huh. So he told me what to do, you know, go back and ask him um, uh, if I were to do it a second time is, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that's been some time ago. But it's one of those uh-huh. things that is these these little things are known, By some and not known by others. And if you're getting the usual kind of uh, quick uh, assessment in some of these uh, medical establishments and not a real thorough uh, assessment, then, you know, steps can be missed. Uh, I was just, that thing just came to mind when you talked about drawing blood.
8: No. Right. It depends on what they're looking for. It depends on what type of test they ask you for in in, in the first place. And without having that information, you know, I know if, if as an example, if you're looking for bacteria, uh, if you're looking to culture the urine to look for bacteria, normally we want the, the, the male or anyone to do what we call a clean catch you know to to begin urinating then hold the urine then go finish going into the cup then finish in the toilet so in the toilet so
4: mm-hmm. that
8: you know the 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 initial urine that's in the urethra in urethra is flushed out first and then you actually get what's in the bladder not necessarily what's in the urethra which may or may not have bacteria you see okay. um, again i you know without having all the information it's it's difficult to say exactly what they were referring to
3: okay but but play that back for us again for myself and the other males in the audience just play that back what the procedure should be for that particular clean, test
8: okay clean catch urine is is simply where we we want uh we want the urine that's in the bladder urine even though it's uh, it's an impure solution, you know, because it's it's waste, it's processed waste. It, it's actually it should be sterile in that sense. So what we ask is for the for the urethra to be the the, the, the head to be cleansed a little bit, and then you would start going uh, urinating into the toilet, and then try to hold the urine back. You know, as you normally can hold the urine back, hold the urine back, then. Put some urine into the cup, and that cup by the way, the container should be a sterile container and then you know once you deposit the amount of urine that you need in the cup, then you can always finish in the toilet. What that would do is that would flush the the urethra, right uh, which is the passage by which the urine comes out, that would flush the urethra of any bacteria that may be in there,
4: right. and then
8: when you go into the cup. You're you're actually getting urine that was actually sitting in the bladder and not you know anything that was in, in the urethra. You see.
3: Got it. Now now when that that urine that's been sitting in the bladder is is analyzed, what are some of the things that can manifest there?
8: We look for blood. We look for white blood cells. We look for red blood cells. We look for, we check the pH, you know, we check for the, the the specific gravity, things like that. You know, and these are all scientific terms, things that mean a lot to doctors as they're looking at the urine. Uh, but there are a number of things that, you know, you can do with a, with a urine test. There are a number of different tests you can do uh, uh, with urine. Sometimes we look for some of the most common things, you know, white blood cells, red blood cells, blood, uh, things like that you know, to see if there is anything going on
4: um
8: in the bladder or in the kidneys, which you know, the kidneys are responsible for filtering blood to produce urine. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if we we uh find any blood then we may investigate a little bit further to see, well, where is the blood coming from? Was uh-huh. there trauma okay. to the area or was it in the bladder, so on and so forth.
3: Got it. And and would connect PSA the PSA test with that
8: the prostate. The prostate specific antigen uh, test is is uh, as it says it's specific to the prostate. The prostate plays a a, a very important role you know in the male's body in that uh, it, it surrounds the urethra at an area we call the ejaculatory duct right you know in males. Um, the same passageway by which semen comes out, we have urine coming out from the same passageway. What the prostate does in a nutshell, uh, the prostate is a gland. And, it, you know, when functioning properly, uh, it, it would cut off the area that leads to the scrotum so that when you're urinating, so that urine don't go into that area. And when there is an ejaculation, mm-hmm. it cuts off the portion that goes to the bladder so that there is no uh, uh, semen going towards the bladder. It, right. it, that's the function of the prostate. Plus, it secretes a, a slight fluid in order, you know, to help uh, uh, the, the uh, semen be more viable, things like that. Um, sometimes when we, you know, in males, the prostate can become enlarged uh, uh, and, um We look for, and and or disease, and we look for that PSA, that prostate-specific antigen in a Mm. blood test uh, once, because if if the prostate is enlarged, then we go ahead and we do that test to see if uh, there is any anomalies or so.
3: Okay, so that comes from, the PSA reading comes from a blood test.
8: Yes, it does.
3: Okay, all right.
8: I'm sorry. Not a urine
4: test.
3: I'm sorry. Right. Okay. All right. Good. And and so um, talk to us about anatomy and, and talking to us the audience as a classroom and give us an introduction into anatomy and physiology so that we can know more about our bodies, our us. You know, you do it in capsule form. You know, but look at the audience as a classroom.
7: Okay.
8: Anatomy is simply uh, 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 what things are. What what, what are your organs? Where are they? Right? Um, Where is the liver? Where are the kidneys? Where is your stomach and your lungs? Uh, Where are the intestines? What are they called? You know, what are these things called? Um, And and so anatomy is simply detailing where these organs are, what they're called, Um, pieces, parts, so to speak. Physiology is in a nutshell what they do. Uh. Physiology is simply what they do. Well, you know well, exactly what does the liver do? What does the kidney do? Kidneys do. What does the pancreas? So on and so forth. That is physiology, right? And uh, so they, they, even though they they may fall into different systems, you know, um, we have. Uh, as they say, between 11 and 13 body systems, and, and it depends on who you ask. You know, some like to categorize two systems together, so on and so forth. And and they may fall into different systems, but they they, they work in conjunction. You know, nothing in the human body sort of works by itself without you know anything else. You see, and even though they fall into different systems, they, it, it, at some point they all work together to provide uh, life uh, for the human body and, and maintain what we like to refer to as homeostasis, you know, the body's ability to be able to keep itself balanced, to keep itself functioning uh, normally, you know, based on that individual.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and uh, how many systems are there in the body?
8: Well, as, as I said, you know they're between 11 and 13, you know, and some people and like to, right. People like to link uh, the the muscles and the skeleton together and call it the musculoskeletal system, for example, because they they're they're attached. You know, they they sort of work hand in hand, even though they 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 are separate systems per se. You know, they sort of work hand in hand, and you know, then you have some systems some organs that sometimes fall into different systems uh, all together. Um, so, you know, there, there's the skeletal system, the muscular system, the cardiovascular system, and there's another mm-hmm. one that, you know, some people like to link together, right? You have the endocrine system and the lymphatic system. You know, there, there's so many of them, the digestive system uh, mm-hmm. and, and all that. So And they all work together. To, to, to provide, again, to make sure that individuals stay alive, you know, and, and make sure that they, they are functioning properly.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, our guest online is Brother Raimundo Noor, N-O-U-R. He's in California, and he's sharing with us some knowledge dealing with the health field. You have, not the health field, the health as it relates, health as it relates to the body. You're going into some basic areas. Some of us, it's, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Some of us, oh, yeah, I know that already, and that's good. Telephone number, when we open up for calls in about 10, 15 minutes, is 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Call in about 10 minutes, and we'll have you on the line with Brother Raymond Noor of California. He works in a medical lab where he teaches anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, and he just mentioned a name that uh, or a term that is, um, I've heard it before, but I'm not clear on it, homeostasis. Uh, just break that one down for us.
8: Homeostasis, uh, Leroy, is, is, is the body's ability, as I say, to keep itself in balance. And what I mean by balance is you know we have certain built in mechanisms you know in our human body and 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 by the way, I have to say that the human body is just a a marvelous creation i mean you know when you when you study it in depth and you know you can ask any doctor or any scientist you know the things that the human body does or you know any living being does just to keep itself viable it's it's incredible, but homeostasis. Are a series of events, you know, whether those things are internal or external, that causes reactions within the body or even outside of the body to help us uh, help the body function normally. Uh, a simple example is, is if you are in a cold environment like you sometimes are in New York, you know, living on the East Coast, it's winter time. Eventually, you you begin to shiver.
4: Mm-hmm. Shivering
8: is not something that you can tell yourself, okay, I need to shiver now, right, because yes. I'm feeling too cold. Shivering is something that begins all of its own. And what happens is that the receptors, nervous receptors in your skin send a message to your brain, well, the body is getting too cold. So the brain sends a message to the muscles and the muscles begin to contract and relax in rapid succession, this is what we know as shivering. And the reason for that is when when muscles move, muscles create heat. They generate heat. So normal body temperature, normal core body temperature, we like to say it's 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. So when it falls below that for, for, for too long, That message goes to the muscles. The muscles begin to contract and relax and we shiver in order to generate internal body heat. And once that temperature is built back up to a normal functioning level, the shivering automatically stops. It is not anything that we control, you you see. Beautiful. So that, in a nutshell, is is, is homeostasis, you see. And that's what the body does.
3: Now, listen, here in, in New York, we're having summer one day, fall the next day, winter the next day, and then it becomes spring, and then the cycle starts over again. That's the way it's been for the last couple of weeks. Talk about what happens to the body, what we should be conscious of as individuals in terms of what we wear, what we eat, that would uh enable us to be balanced in that kind of environment.
8: You know, every individual is different, you know, and 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 I would hope that we know our bodies well enough that uh we know when we need to do something different. You see, too much heat, too much cold, extremes for the human body is never good. It, it doesn't matter in which direction you're taking it. You see. Um and so you know, if we know our bodies, if if we know that, you know, there is a chance that it may get too cold, you know, then protect yourself. Because, you know, we are responsible for protecting ourselves, yes. no matter what. And yes. uh, so you protect yourself. However, if you bundled up and all of a sudden the day gets to be 17, then you have to peel off some of those layers, you know, in order, you know, to feel comfortable and in order for your body to function abnormally right? And, right and there is there is uh, another portion of home homeostasis you know if if you're bundled up too much on a warm day, you automatically begin to sweat yes.
4: you know what
8: what sweating does i mean you don't tell yourself, I need to sweat right about now, you know but what sweating does when that fluid goes on the surface of the skin, it pulls heat away from the body thereby cooling you down, you see. And so, you know, we can't do much about the weather, the weather, but we can be smart. And the one thing we can do, and um, which is, I, I believe, many of us don't do, uh, and I'm going out on a limb here, is exercise and keep ourselves healthy enough that, you know, whenever we do experience, like, you know, things that you're speaking of, you know, we we don't send their bodies into a tizzy. You know, if we're healthy enough, you know, we'll be able
3: to withstand
8: these changes, you see.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And
3: ladies and gentlemen, I guess is Brother Raimundo Noor. He works in a medical lab in California. Um, the name of the medical lab that you have?
8: MediLab. It's called MediLab. We're, we're doing business as MediLab, and, uh, you know, I own and operate it. And um, and I just wanted to make that correction. You know, in in the I spent 18 years uh, teaching at the vocational college level, and uh, I just last year, as a matter of fact, I decided to open uh, a okay. laboratory here, a health screening center, uh, primarily for individuals who have no health insurance. Wow. You know, there's no appointment, no referral, no insurance needed. You can just walk in and ask for a health screening exam, and we'll draw the blood, get the urine, uh, and run the test.
3: Okay, what are you running into in terms of the ailments that are developed, uh, that are, are becoming manifest as a result of the test that you've been doing? But
8: one of the things that we don't do, Leroy, is we don't diagnose, right? Uh, we're in California, and as you probably know, California is one of, is the most restrictive states when it comes to certain things. So one of the things that we are prohibited from doing is diagnosing our patients, you know, our clients, uh, you know. But what, you know, whenever individuals do tests, you know, one of the the, the things that they do mostly, what I've, what I'm seeing that they they do mostly, they want to check their cholesterol. They want to see if they're diabetic. They want to see, these because these are things that are, these are ailments that are rampant in our community, both the Hispanic and the African American community, in all the communities, actually. But, um, so these are the things that I see that our clients are, are asking for mostly. They want to, you know, to check their pancreas to see if they're diabetic. They want to check their cholesterol. Uh, so on and so forth I and mean, and in many cases you know we have you know individuals that their their levels are just way off uh, mm-hmm. again because we don't we don't take that time to try to keep ourselves healthy uh, at all but this is what we're finding um you know not because their cholesterol is 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 high or their blood sugar level is high you know that they automatically have diabetes that is that is not to say that you know that is a process that they normally go through with a physician uh in order for the physician to diagnose them as a diabetic so to speak
3: what about high blood pressure what's showing up uh, i mean uh, well uh, when when you uh, let me go back cuz you you explained the diagnosis so when you do the blood test mm-hmm. what what the you draw the blood what are you Giving what's the information that you're giving back to the individuals? They may come in and say, I just want a test. Um, they don't know what they're looking for, but they know that they haven't had a, a medical exam in years and that this right. is a preliminary to that. So, you know, take us through that.
8: Right. We we If, if an individual comes in and, you know, depending if they're male or female, and say, you know, I haven't had... Anything in, in, in quite a while, I may very well recommend a general health profile for them, you know where we do samples from almost all real body system we'll do a urinalysis we'll do a thyroid test uh, we'll do cholesterol tests we do a number of tests that can help us you know look at many of the body systems once we do the tests, we give them the results now on our the results like in any other uh, lab request. Results, it it shows you what the normal parameters are, right? It shows you what the normal parameters are. Cholesterol, speaking of cholesterol,
4: cholesterol
8: by itself, we like to see the numbers to be 200 or less, right? So we have those parameters on there, and then their numbers show up, and it shows whether they're below the 200 or they're above the 200. Got it. Now, if they are above the 200 we would give them information letting them know, look, your cholesterol is above 200, this is what it could mean. Now, with that information, then we let them know, you can either take this information to your doctor and speak to your doctor if you have one, or you can come back to us and see the doctor that we have coming into our facility when they're here. So we give them that option, right? This process, so to speak, Actually, it saves you time, saves you money, right? And uh, save, you know, the, the, the traditional way of going about getting things done, you know, it, it's 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 a it's a huge time waster as well as money. You know, typically, you you know, if you think you need to go see the doctor, well, then you do that. You call, you make an appointment. You may wait two, three weeks. i some clients have told me I've been waiting two months to get to get in to see my doctor. They so the really have something going on, two months is, is quite a stretch to wait. So then they go in to see the doctor. The doctor examines. It gives them a lab request. Okay, go to the lab, get these tests done. They go to the lab, they get the tests done. Traditionally, you know, they wait about a week, week and a half, two weeks to get the results done. Then they have to go back to the doctor's office again to get the results interpreted, right? And then at that point, the physician can tell them whether or not, you know, they have something or whatever the case may be. You know, a, 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 quite a bit of time would have gone by by then, as well as you know, you would have been you would have spent quite a bit of money. You know, either way. You know, what we are attempting to do is we're not trying to eliminate doctors, and I want to make that clear for our listeners. You know, but we're just trying to make access to uh, healthcare and, and health care and health-related services more easier, simpler uh, for, for individuals. You know, you, just, you come in, you ask for a test, we do the test, we give you the results. If there's anything uh, uh, abnormal, you go see the doctor. If everything shows up normal based on what we tested for and based on the parameters that are there, you go home. You see, um, saving you both time as well as money.
3: How how much do you, in terms of time and effort, do you give to giving people an insight into those lifestyle habits that will uh, alleviate some of the obvious that which you can see, obvious stress on their bodies and their their the organs in their body. I'm thinking in terms of people coming in who are overweight and other people who are coming in who have a teeth problem, uh, decay or whatever, and um, what happens when one has decayed teeth in their mouth, what happens to the different organs in the body. So I want to start first with the obvious, not obvious, what you can see in terms of a person being overweight. or They may not be overweight. They're coming in for this little blood test, blah, 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 but they have a child with them. It's not going to be tested, but you can see the child is overweight. What do you What right. do you do?
8: This is Leroy. You, you're touching a very important subject there, and 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 this is one of the greatest things that are affecting our communities, uh, in, in in our day and time. You know, living in America, you know, we have an abundance of food, of all sorts of food, and we are consuming it as if there is no tomorrow. Right. <laughs> we are. We are we are eating so much of it, and uh, as a result, you know, we are we are the most overweight, undernourished nation in the world right now, according to some reports. Um, you know, there was just a very, very good documentary on HBO called "The Weight of the Nation," uh, W E you know E I G H T, the weight of the nation, and it documents. You know, the problem that we're having here in the United States with overweight and obesity, you know, uh, some reports are showing that over half the children that are below the age of 15 are overweight or obese, right, because of uh, of the, the, the enormous consumption of food. You know, food manufacturers have found a formula that works, a formula that puts lots and lots and lots of money in their pockets, but not necessarily give us good nutrition for it. You see, um, you know, the foods are loaded with sugar. It's, they're
2: loaded with
8: salt. And, and, you know, even foods that may not taste salty, like cereal. If you read the cereal box, you'll see there's several grams of sodium in cereal. And, you, you know, it doesn't taste salty, but it's there. And so, when you combine all these foods that we eat on a, on a on a daily basis, most Americans we consume just too much salt, which can lead to high blood pressure issues. We consume too much sugar, which can exacerbate, which can make you know the diabetic issues even worse, or or uh, 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 bring bring it on even sooner. Um, so. This is a huge problem with, with with us here in the United States. You know, we have so much food, and we don't know how to control not eating it. Fast foods are just fast food places are multiplying uh, 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 very rapidly, and and their foods are not necessarily healthy. You know, they're they're loaded with fat, they're loaded with sugar, they're loaded with salt, all the things that we generally don't need much of. Now, having said that. You know, one of the things that I like to advocate, Leroy, is balance. You know, balance in, in just about everything that we do. Again, extremes for the human body doesn't work regardless of which way you're taking it, right? And and this, But this is where most people don't comply. You know, I believe that the body probably needs a little bit of about everything that's out there, right? There's nothing wrong with Snickers. Right, There's nothing wrong with Snickers But it depends on how many Snickers you eat
3: Right You see
8: and There's nothing wrong with ice cream There's nothing wrong with enjoying some ice cream But the problem is If we, eat, we like ice cream We want to eat a pint of ice cream every day Now <laughs> these things will eventually have Effects on your body And you know I remember my grandmother used to say You know Too much of a good thing is good for nothing mm. Right because even if it's good, if you abuse it, then it it has the opposite effect. You see, and so we, as human beings, as people, we need to find that balance in the things that we're doing in 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 consuming food, uh, and and that I believe once we find that balance, and because people ask me, I you know I'm I'm not I don't think I'm overweight. I don't look overweight. People say, oh, you stay so skinny. Well, you know, the truth is, I eat whatever I want, right? Mm-hmm. But I eat, I eat portions of it. I, I don't, you know, I don't just eat a whole lot of everything, you know. I, I just eat a little bit of, of of the things that I like, and and that's to me, that's the key for 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 some decent health, you know. And because I I run a laboratory, I check my blood sugar, I check my labs, and I check my urine all the time, and you know, and thankfully they are. They're all within the parameters, you know. Um, so this is the key, you know. Being overweight is is one of the biggest things that are affecting our nation right now, because you know I, I'll tell you, the heart has to work a lot harder to uh, uh, support a body that's not fit. You see, the heart just has to work that much harder, you know, if that body is not fit. You see, And so all that pressure on the heart raises blood pressure, which can lead to a stroke, right? Uh-huh. All the sugars and the things that we're putting into our body, you know, can, can damage the pancreas to the point where it, it produces very little or no insulin. We become diabetic, right? Di- you know, having diabetes can lead to so many other health problems, loss of limbs, blindness, on and so forth, and these are all things that are affecting our communities in, in in great numbers, and all because I believe we don't know how to control how much we eat.
3: Mm. You see. Okay, telephone number two one three nine four three three six one eight two one three nine four three three six one eight. You'll be on the phone in the classroom with Brother Raimundo Noor. He runs MediLab in California, and uh, that's where they deal with uh, doing blood tests. And as he indicated, he's concerned with balance, balance in one's life that enables one to live a more healthier life. And you're welcome to ask questions of him at 213-943-3618. Hit 1 on your telephone keypad. That lets us know that you have a question for Brother Raimundo Noor, N-O-U-R. Now, in terms of, uh, I want to go back to prostate, what are you hearing? Uh, Even though you don't do diagnoses and that sort of thing, it's impossible for you to be away from literature, whether it's the magazines that come in, you know, that medical people would be reading. What are you seeing? What are you understanding in terms of prostate? Because that testing that they said was the test has been, according to what I understand, disowned by even the person who came up with the PSA test.
8: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, there there are two there you know there there are two opinions on the matter as far as the medical community is concerned you know some Some advocate that you know there is a measure for the prostate they say that if you have a measure of four nanograms per milliliter, you know that is considered normal you know and and those people with a four uh normally have about a fifteen percent chance of of uh, developing prostate cancer and if the number is or above, the, the the percentage jumps to about sixty seven percent of um, of developing prostate cancer, you know. Um, and some some advocate that males, you know, once they get to the age of fifty, they should start having that conversation with their physician, um, you know, about this uh, about prostate cancer, uh, and start getting it looked at. Then there's another portion of the medical community who believes that you know the, the the psa could be falsely used and it would lead to overtesting you know that maybe the prostate cancer will be so slow growing that uh any any type of um treatment and things like that would you know sort of it would won't, won't be won't be necessary at all You see, so there there are a couple of uh there are a couple of opinions on it you know some doctors still swear by it and at least they want a number to reassure them that, you know, as far as where it is. You know, there's a couple of ways of testing the prostate. One of them is by what we call a digital rectal exam. You know, uh, the doctor does a rectal exam and and feels the prostate for any abnormalities or enlargement or things like that. Um, Sometimes they can even push on it to to push out some of the prostatic fluid you know to be analyzed um and if if they think that the prostate is enlarged you know um then they can also back that uh physical exam up with uh lab test which is the PSA uh to see exactly where uh uh, uh that level may be you see Prostate cancer is one of the leading cancers, uh, one of the leading killers uh, in men in the United States today, and it's still significant, but, um, you know, some doctors are saying, you know, we're over-testing and we're panicking, and some are saying, you know, l- let us have at least a number so that we can better treat if we need to treat, you see.
3: Okay, Brother Raimundo, we have a couple of callers online. We'll take the first one. You're on the air with Brother Raimundo Noor. Your question, please, and thank you for your patience.
5: Yes. It's, am I on?
3: Yes. Yes, you're on. We can hear you loud yes. and
5: clear. Oh, yes. Good evening, I'm, I'm Brother Leroy and um, Brother Ar- Raimundo. Yeah, I was um, wanting to ask a question about what uh, you were saying about the prostrate. Um, if, if there's a... Um, if my husband, over the last two years has uh been um given uh taking uh the p s a test and uh the physician is telling him over three year period that his numbers are fluctuating between like a four and six and 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 now if he took it he took it recently and now it's eight um and they're saying that it's just inflamed, but there's, it's not cancer. Is that what you're talking about when you're talking about um, the, the the diet, um, the exercise is not being balanced, and so could be the cause of the inflamed prostate.
8: Well, you know, there 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 are a number of things that can cause you know a, a, an inflamed prostate, and and let me say that you know our bodies. Make and th- regardless of where it is, our bodies make mutant cells all the time, right? Our bodies yeah. make mutant cells all the time, and if we have a good functioning immune system, you know the you know they, they they're sought out and they're killed, they're destroyed, and we don't even know about it. You see, right? Um, so you know the thing about having you know the number is fluctuating. Um, this simply means that there are, there's a tendency to develop the cancer. Now, and, I, and I'll say the only sure way to know that if there is or is not cancer is a biopsy. Normally, you know, a portion of that tissue is taken, whether it's the prostate or whether it's the skin, whatever, the liver, and it's looked under the microscope and it's analyzed. And, it's, you know, what we look for is how far... How much has it mutated from what a normal cell would look like, and mm-hmm. that is categorized in different stages, so on and so forth. It is a it is a complete science as far as diagnosing cancer. Now,
4: mm-hmm.
8: you know, if the doctor is telling him that the numbers are fluctuating, well, then they're doing exactly that. Now, mm-hmm. again, I I I don't know your husband or, or uh, you know, I and I am not diagnosing, but you know, the thing to do is to Want to keep an eye on it, and if, if you know the doctors are not that concerned, but we are we should still be concerned you know it is it is your health um and and we should take charge of it in that sense um,
4: mm-hmm.
8: yes there, there there are medications that can be given you know to help reduce the size, reduce the inflammation, or reduce the size of the prostate um but some doctors yeah you know the ones that like to. Cut, you know, and I'm not saying that that's irresponsible, but sometimes they believe they just just take it out if if there is a problem, if if, if there is a chance that it can become worse or cancerous, some doctors are advocating let's just remove it, right, uh, so that the problem is no longer yes, sir. there. You see,
5: okay, and and can you can you just um, briefly say? Um, like the the function of the the function of the the male's prostrate is you know what I mean you know I mean you know it's there it's there it's you know we're a male is a male is born with it, so the the reason for it being there is what, and then what would be the what would be what would happen with it being removing removed with regard to what its original normal function is. Okay, the that, function
8: of the male you're, prostate you're gonna have is to, give to that. control, um, you know, uh, 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 the passage of, of fluid, you know, the, the semen, the sperm that comes from the, from the scrotum uh, and, you know, through the urethra to be ejaculated as well as the urine then that comes from the bladder, right, to be excreted. Uh, the prostate, uh, what it would do, it would, you know, when there is, Uh, At most males, and I must say this, that most males, and notice I'm prefacing it with most because I had a student tell me that, you know, her morphine could do that. But most males can't urinate and ejaculate at the same time. You see, that that is not a function that we can, you know, physically do at the same time because, you know, the prostate, when there is the function of urinating, the the prostate will close off the section Mm -hmm. Uh, Of where the sperm would come through And when there is ejaculation The prostate would close off the section where urine is Sperm happens to be very, very sensitive To extreme acidity, extreme alkalinity Extreme heat, extreme cold You know, they're, they're very, very sensitive And so the body works to maintain their viability By providing all these functions to answer Brother
3: your question, suggestion or question. Brother Noah, we're at the end. I guess we're gone. We are. Okay, we're gone, Brother Noah. We're at the very end. Okay.
8: The the uh, I am still on the
3: air, yes? Uh yeah, but we're we're at the very end. I'm I okay. I really am sorry because the time on the first segment went over. Um just give us uh, either are there some information or a website that we can go to to connect with you et cetera
8: I, I i would say you know for for our listeners you know to be informed, get involved, get tested you know take better control of your health i mean this is all you have you know we this is all you take better control of your health um i unfortunately we're a new we're a new uh, a business right now and our website is not up and running just yet but You know, I can leave my phone numbers for the callers if they would like to call me directly. That will be fine. Our number here is area code 760-347-7175. Again, that is 760-347-7175 here at
3: MediLab. And that's Brother Noor, N-O-U-R. My brother, thank you for your sharing. Thank you for your work. And thank the callers. Uh, Sorry we couldn't get all of you in. But may Allah continue to bless each and every one of you. Be sure to buy the final call and read page 28, How to Eat to Live, providing some balance to your body. Each issue of the Final Call newspaper, page 28, How to Eat to Live. Brother Noor, thank you very much. God bless you and your family.
8: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Same to you.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Keys 107 Network. Be sure to tune in to the Keys 107 Network Check our website, and you'll see the various programs we have on. May God continue to bless each and every one of you with a beautiful and a healthy week. Oh, yes, I have.
6: I've been down this road before, but no one